0: And welcome back to the Disney World Today podcast. I am your ghost host for the day, Kevin Pope. Hope everyone's having a magical day, a magical week. Hope everything's going good with you guys. Ready for another episode, ready to talk some Disney as always. I got some coffee here with me, ready to go on this beautiful day in Chicago, this beautiful spring day where it's about 39 degrees. Uh, It rained all night and morning uh, the sun hasn't come out in like two days, uh, so it's pretty gray, It's just gray and blah. Uh, but that's spring for us. That's what that's what we have here. That's why that's part of the reason why I love doing this podcast because it's an escape for me. I can pretend like I'm in Florida, pretend like I'm at Disney. Uh, especially this week, my boss is out of town. He's going to a wedding in Florida, and um, he was telling me how they're staying uh, uh, one night in uh, or one day and night in uh in Orlando at Disney and uh just because there's you know there's so many hotels and stuff around there you know they're gonna stay at just some random Orlando hotel but his wife was talking about how they should just stay at Disney I think they said they're gonna go do uh Disney Springs for the day I know his daughter was saying uh that she wanted to do Epcot, Epcot but he didn't know if he was up to it so uh it's always fun talking Disney at work with people who you know he's he's I can tell that he he enjoys disney i I think he had a lot of good family memories there you know i I wouldn't say he was a casual fan because i think you know he he really loves disney he loved taking his family there so it's cool to hear you know him talk about it and get a little excited about it even though it was only for one day before we jump into everything though gotta plug everything social media instagram tiktok youtube you can follow me on there disney world today Uh, instagram's the big one Uh, my dms there are always open if you want to stop by and say what's up if you have ideas for the show topic ideas top 10 lists rankings suggestions anything like that if you want to stop by and say that you enjoy the show you love the show you hate the show uh, i appreciate any and all feedback or if you hate if you find something cool online you want to send it my way feel free i know a lot of us do that now whether it's disney related sports related uh, doesn't really matter Uh, tiktok and youtube Uh, you can find me on there as well and if you can too it's really quick takes like two seconds hit that subscribe button leave a rating and a review And if you do leave me a review if you write me one i'll give you a shout out on the very next episode last week we dove into one of my all-time favorite disney attractions rock and roller coaster you know one of disney's best coasters you know arguably their first real thrill ride um, I think technically Test Track opened first, if you want to count that. I know Test Track is faster. But this one, you know, Rock and Roller Coaster, Disney's first coaster that goes upside down, you know, it, 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 it's such a great ride. Um, you know, it goes zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds. You go upside down, there's some corkscrews, there's some Aerosmith music blasting in your ears the entire time. There's a giant guitar out front. So from top to bottom, I've, I've always loved Rock and Roller Coaster. And I felt like it was a pretty good time to kind of dive into the history of it, the background of it, everything about it, since it seems like every other week now there's rumors about it going away. And, you know, I talk about it in the episode, it is just a matter of time before it gets rethemed, like everything at Disney lately. Um, it seems like they're trying to update stuff, you know, and, you know, include more kind of Disney entities. Into their, into their parks, their IP, their intellectual property. You know, it seems like everything that they open up that's new is based off of a Disney movie or a Disney character, or, you know, something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rock and Roller Coaster. We kind of talk about, um, you know, some of their options because they're not just going to close it, they'll just re it and it'll be, you know, I don't know, maybe they'll theme it after another band, another rock band, a Disney band, a Disney artist. Maybe they theme it after a movie, you know, there's some of the ideas I had were Marvel-based or Buzz Lightyear or um, I think a big one that would be pretty interesting would be uh, Powerline from a Goofy movie, which seems like Powerline is getting more and more popular, um, I'm, which I'm pretty surprised at. But we, if you haven't listened already, it's available. You know, We dive in, talk everything about Rock and Roller Coaster. This week, I got another top 10 list for you guys. This one, It's a lot of fun to do. I'm going to be doing my top 10 things at Walt Disney World that I miss. I'm pretty sure I did an episode like this already a while back, but this is one of those lists that I feel like I could probably do sporadically throughout the years, you know, every six months, every year or so, because my list is kind of always changing because there's so many, and there's so many things that I miss, and there's so many things that, like, you know, maybe I don't remember, and then I'll I'll see something about it. I'll read something, see a picture and and it'll kind of spark a memory, and it'll you know be like oh my god I I, I do miss that, and kind of keeps my list kind of ever changing. So it's gonna be a fun one. You guys know I love my top ten list. I got some honorable honorable well if I could talk honorable mentions as well. And at the end of the episode today, we'll do another March Magic update. Um, we're in the heart of March Madness now. We we're down to the sweet sixteen uh, in in college basketball, and uh, we have a couple of rounds left here. Uh, with our Disney attraction matchups as well. So we'll go over that at the end. All right, here we go. Your attention, please. <laughs> the Walt Disney World Railroad now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. So if you guys have been, uh, you know, listening to the show for a while or know me in real life or follow me on Instagram, you probably have a pretty good idea that I don't necessarily love change when it comes to Disney. I'm not against change. There, I think there's a difference there. I'm not against change. I love when Disney changes something that needs to be changed, that something that needs to be updated. When they change something for the better, not... My problem with disney is a lot of times it seems like they change stuff just to change stuff you know and with this you know i've been to disney i've been going to disney my entire life since i was two years old you know throughout the years i've definitely seen some changes go on at disney and here we are i'm you know 32 years old um i'm nostalgic about a lot of things you know it's not even just disney i'm nostalgic about a lot of things you know disney Um, My childhood, movies, sports, toys, collectibles, everything like that. I've always kind of been into retro stuff, vintage stuff, and always about thinking about like the past and when I was a kid and stuff like that. And that's, that always kind of helps with these lists because it may be something I haven't thought about in years, but when I sit down and actually think about it, all these like memories just kind of rush into my head. I remember how much I enjoyed know riding on this ride or going into the store eating at this restaurant and it it sparks all these memories that i've had there and that's what's great about disney there's you know a lot of disney i can walk into walt disney world and it's still you know similar to how it was when i was 10 years old a lot of it now it has changed and it's starting to change um so it's kind of how i came up with uh the topic for this week's episode top 10 things I miss at Walt Disney World and everything is kind of on the table here it's not attractions it's not just you know souvenirs or shows or anything like that like everything can be on the table from attractions to services to feelings to hotels like pretty much everything I didn't want to just include only attractions so top 10 things I miss at Walt Disney World as you'll see uh, my list covers you know quite a bit of stuff so i'm I'm hoping there's going to be some common ones on this list that you'll be like oh yeah that makes sense uh but i'm hoping there's some ones that maybe you haven't thought of in a while maybe you'll hear me talk about it and be like whoa yeah that's right i do miss that i do remember that so i think that would be pretty cool these were so hard to rank like i literally i tried ranking them and then i just gave up and uh, wrote every single one that i missed like down (laughs) Uh, So I tried to rank them as best as possible, but I'm going to start off with, with my number 10 pick here. My number 10 pick, I'm going to go with ESPN club. And this is a recent one. This is one where maybe you're listening right now and you're like, Ooh, why that place wasn't very good. The food wasn't very good. Let, let me explain. Like I, ESPN club at Disney was my favorite restaurant, even though it didn't have my favorite food, if that makes sense. I'm a big sports guy. My family's big into sports. Like that's pretty much my entire life is sports and Disney, especially like growing up. Um, you know, we would always have sports on it. Doesn't matter if it was a local game, you know, whatever was on ESPN, we always had sports on in the house. Um, so going to Disney, you know, ESPN club, that was my favorite place to eat ever since I was a kid, because when I was a kid and you'd go to ESPN club, Uh, If you were lucky enough to sit at a booth, they would give you PlayStation controllers and they had PlayStations and TVs built into the walls of all the booths there. So (laughs) me being a kid, me and my cousins, we'd want to go there because as we sat down and we're waiting for our food, we could play video games. Again, this is the, you know, mid 90s, late 90s. The only place you could play video games back then was like at your house. There wasn't, you know... I guess we had Game Boys. It's a a little different. You know, Game Boy wasn't PlayStation. You know, the games were different. This is, you know, you're at a restaurant, you're at Disney, you're sitting down waiting to order, which always feels like it takes forever. And here you are, you know, playing video games with your cousin. So that was like part of the first memories I had at ESPN Club, you know, playing video games, waiting for, you know, our food. You know, just walking in and seeing all like the, the collectibles and the souvenirs and All the sports stuff, all the signed stuff, all the team photos, jerseys, shoes. Um, I'll never forget they had, you know, in the the restaurant, like in the gift shop, they had their own gift shop. There was an arcade in there and they had this really cool Sports Illustrated baseball poster on the wall that I always loved. And I've just always been into that kind of stuff. I loved walking in and just looking through every single item that was on the wall and, and being like, whoa, you know. Scotty Pippen signed this jersey and and look a jersey signed by Shaq and signed basketballs and baseballs and bats I would just go through and just look at all the players and see which players that they had you know up there on the walls and I, I, just, I just always loved that kind of stuff you know I remember walking like kind of back by the bathroom they had just all these signed baseball bats I would just stand there and just look at all the players uh, and not to mention in the bathroom they had bath they had uh, TVs in the bathrooms by the urinals like when you're going to the bathroom you're able to keep up uh you know with whatever sports game was going on at the time you know growing up again in the in the 90s mid 90s late 90s early 2000s you know we'd always watch sports at home but it was always just our local teams you know unless it was like a prime time game you know so we're watching the cubs the bulls the bears you know we'd go to disney on vacation and you know not only just at ESPN but like in the hotels and stuff like i always thought it was cool that i was able to watch other teams that i wouldn't be able to watch unless it was like a national game or like the playoffs so we go to espn club you know and it's we always go in july in the summer and there's always baseball and i'd you know they'd have you know the braves game on or the marlins game or the or the devil rays um you know they always had all the the sports packages we're watching like the dodgers play the mets and it's like stuff i would never be able to watch at home i'm, I'm able to see these players that I only see in primetime games a couple of times a year or I only see in the playoffs and now I'm at Disney sitting down I get to watch them like I was always amazed by that and like I loved every every part of that that's just how I am you know when you're big into sports like that it was like the only place I could go to watch you know other teams and other players play and I always loved that um and I'm, I'm sad that it's gone you know I know the food wasn't great it wasn't bad but it wasn't great I know I know that Um, but it was, you know, you know, one of the only sports bars on property, it it fit perfectly at the boardwalk. I thought like it didn't seem out of place at all. And I just have some good memories, especially kind of later on. I remember, you know, with my family, we went there on a Sunday night and it was like a primetime Sunday night baseball game and the Cubs were playing. So here we are, a family from Chicago going to ESPN club on a Sunday night before we go to Epcot. And the Cubs are on, like, we're all wearing our Cubs gear. Like, it was fun. It was cool. And I enjoyed that, and I'll miss that. And I think Disney, you know, I know they want to create, like, a bubble and kind of separate themselves from the outside world, but there's nothing wrong, you know, with having something to kind of... A place like ESPN Club, like, you're not taking away from the Disney magic by having a sports bar, you know, uh, on property, especially at the boardwalk surrounded by those hotels the swan and dolphin like they get conventions you get a lot of business people out of town um it's a good place to go you know friday saturday sunday night if you're at disney and you're older maybe you don't have kids like it was a place to go you could go there and have a good time you could have drinks you could watch the big game um and i think disney's kind of missing that and I'll, i'll miss espn club forever um just It's weird, too. It just kind of silently went away. It just kind of closed, like, around COVID and just never reopened. And they're just like, yeah, here's this new... I think it's like a bakery or ice cream place. And it's like, oh. And I guess I, I, I don't know if we needed another one of those. Um, so it's one of those places that I may be in the minority, but it's something I'm always going to miss. So my number 10 pick is ESPN Club at Disney's Boardwalk Resort. Well, for my number 9 pick, I might as well put this one here. It relates to number 10. My number 9 pick is sports in general. Now, hear me out here. You guys, like I just talked about for 10 minutes or whatever, I'm a big sports guy in Disney. It seems like Disney has gotten away from that as well. So, like I just mentioned, ESPN Club at Boardwalk closes. You know, Disney has their entire wide world of sports complex, you know, on property that I feel like is so underused and undervalued and underestimated. Um, and I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a while, and I think I'm going to do an entire episode on it, so I I won't go too long um, on this pick here, but sports in general, Disney, like, growing up as a kid, um, you know, there was a minor league baseball team that played its home games at Disney. It was the Orlando Rays. They were an affiliate of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and they played all their home games at Wide World Sports. You could go, you know, on an off day and go see a minor league baseball game. The Atlanta Braves had their spring training at Disney for, you know, probably close to thirty years. You know, and the Braves were the team of the nineties. Like they won the division every single year. They had Hall of Famers on that team every single year. And they had their spring training at Walt Disney World. Like that's a big deal that I feel like was always kind of, you know, an afterthought. Um, and to me, in uh, my family, like a, a baseball family. It was amazing like oh my god the atlanta braves have their spring training at disney you know and that whole wide world sports complex i feel like they don't do enough with anymore like they also used to have the tampa bay buccaneers used to host their off-season training there as well and we used to go on an off day to to the wide world sports complex you could go watch Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, training. You could get photos and autographs after they were done, and buy souvenirs and merchandise, and kind of just kind of walk around and see all the stuff and the gift shops and stuff. And it was always so much fun to me. Yeah, you know, I remember going there and watching their, you know, off offseason like conditioning and drills and stuff um, the year before and the year after they won the Super Bowl. So that's like that's a Super Bowl team. Uh, if that was Chicago you know, when the Bears were playing somewhere, you know, having their offseason somewhere more public, oh my god, it would be sold out and packed every single day. Um, so I always thought that was cool. I have a lot of good memories there, you know, just, you know, walking around the wide world of sports complex. And I was able to see a uh, an Atlanta Braves spring training game there in like, uh, like 2013 or 14, I think. Um, you know, they're not there anymore. They finally they left Disney. They they built a brand new, you know, complex. I want to say in Kissimmee or somewhere close. And I was able to, you know, see it. And you know, I, you know, spring training is just kind of more for the experience. But I was able to see like Miguel Cabrera, Chipper Jones, you know, and uh, two two legends. So I thought that was cool. But I got to say, I was disappointed because you could tell at that point that Disney had stopped trying to improve the facilities, like the 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 spring training ballpark, the baseball field, the main one nice field very nice you know um but very basic it looks like it was still stuck in like 1996 it didn't look run down or like you know beat up like that um it was clean everything still looked nice but it just looked old and 90s and faded there's nothing new about it and I'm sure that didn't sit well with the Braves, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why they left. You know, all these teams are getting these brand new facilities, and Disney probably had zero interest in building a state-of-the-art, you know, facility for a professional baseball team. But I'll, like I said, I'll do a, a whole episode on that, uh, probably within the next couple weeks, with baseball starting anyway, because so I think there's a lot to be said about the wide world of sports complex on how it's, you know, unless you have a, uh, you know, a child playing in a tournament there. There's really no reason for Disney guests to even go there. So uh, that's my pick, my number nine pick, sports at Walt Disney World. For my number eight pick, this is another nostalgia pick for sure. Um, I think a lot of kids from the 90s, and if you're around my age, I think you'll agree too. I miss arcades at Walt Disney World. Now, I know uh, some of the resorts still have them, but it seems like um, it's far and few between. And they're not as, you know, big and extravagant, extravagant as they used to be. You know, obviously arcades in general have died out. But here, here's my thoughts on this. I have a lot of good memories. You know, it's Disney World. You're not going to Disney to play an arcade. But it's a nice thing to have at the resort, you know, in case you need it. Like, for example, let's say you're going to the parks. You know, you, you go to the, uh, Magic Kingdom during the day. You're hot. You're tired. You've been there, you know, all morning. You want to go back to the hotel and swim and relax a little bit before going back out for the night. You you get back to the hotel and it's raining. What do you do? You know, I think an arcade is a good place for the kids to go when it's raining and when there's nothing else to do. Like I hate going to Disney and just sitting, you know, in the room on my phone or watching TV. Um, at least with an arcade, you're, you're doing something, you're having fun. It's an experience. And, you know, at least when I was a kid, it seemed like they, the arcades, like they made each like resort arcade almost feel like a, like a Chuck E. Cheese or a Dave and Buster's. They were huge over the top. They had prizes. You could redeem tickets for prizes. I don't know. I don't know if any of them have that anymore. Uh, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Contemporary, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, but like, I have a lot of fa- uh, memories of my family, too. Like, we would always, on the last day before, uh, I think it was after going to the Magic Kingdom, we would go back to the Contemporary, and we would play in the arcade. And that was, like, our last thing we would do. I think it was, like, open 24 hours, maybe. So we would go, we would, like, go to Contemporary, eat at Chef Mickey, either walk or take the monorail to the Magic Kingdom, stay there till it closed, come back to the Contemporary, play in the arcade redeem our tickets for cool prizes and like that was my last memory of disney and that was always so much fun and i know it's not the same with like video games and stuff like that but i think an arcade is cool you know you're going to disney everything about it should be over the top over the top like i know they're probably not going to make money on the arcades but having these big cool extra even if it's just for one day for one memory i think it would be pretty cool you know especially with kids give them something extra to do like i said on those days it, it rains in the summer especially it rains every day at disney you know if you can't go to the pool you're stuck at the hotel you know what are you supposed to do i think you know they should uh, all have these giant arcades make them all like dave and buster's For my number seven pick, I'm going to head over to Epcot. You guys know I love this ride. This attraction will be always one of my favorites. I'm going to go with Maelstrom. This was the ride in the Norway Pavilion. It was recently changed and rethemed to Frozen Ever After. Uh, So now it's a ride about Frozen. And Maelstrom, to me, I mean, the best way I can describe it, like this ride made me want to visit Norway. I love going to the beach. I love warm weather, hot weather. I never want to go anywhere cold. But I would go and visit Norway solely because of this attraction at Epcot. To me, Maelstrom was always a staple of World Showcase, maybe even Epcot. Because growing up, you know, it opened in 88. So it's it was around a while. And it closed in uh, 2014. And although it's a slow-moving boat ride, it had that small little backwards drop and I think that you know played a big role in especially me as a kid like we would go to Epcot Epcot was different they didn't have that many rides but they had Maelstrom and Test Track like those were the two that we always wanted to do and I was always intrigued by it I always found it cool and just kind of in awe as soon as we stepped in the queue and and went through the line for that one because it seemed like you were in a different country as a kid, you know, we didn't really want to go to World Showcase. We didn't want to walk around. We didn't care about these other countries and just looking at, you know, the architecture and trying different foods. But Norway, yeah, we wanted to go to Norway because Norway had Maelstrom, you know. It was a cool sounding name. It was cool from the moment you walked in to the moment you walked out. Now, I, I will admit we didn't watch the movie every time, but I always loved the ride. The the smell, the the just ambiance of it, the gift shop afterwards, I loved everything about it. Even as I got older, I really grew to uh, to love it. And, you know, going to Norway and getting something to drink and eat from the bakery, getting something from the gift shop. I really kind of uh, became interested in, like, Vikings and that, you know, Viking lore. And, um, you know, I've always loved Thor. He's always been my favorite Marvel character in Norse mythology. So I always... Always loved uh, Maelstrom, and I was sad that they took it away because it was kind of the end of an era. Like that marked kind of the start of Disney replacing original attractions with new, you know, characters and movie, new intellectual property. Hey, we have this cool original ride you know based in Norway. It, it represents the country well, but here's Frozen. It's not based. It's you know, it doesn't take place in Norway, but kind of um, seems like it does. So. To me, you guys know me, I love Maelstrom, I'll always miss it. You know, I have I have a tank top <laughs> that, um, it's like the Viking, or not the Viking, it's like the, the Norwegian, like, um, oil rig worker that was like on the mural when you start, when you got on the ride. I have a tank top with his face on it, and it, uh, it says, never forget. So, my number seven pick, this is an easy one, Maelstrom. For my number six pick here, this one's a little more broad, not as specific, I miss when Disney wasn't as congested. Now, I I didn't want to say crowded because I feel like Disney has always been crowded. Although in the past, when I was a kid, growing up, it definitely seemed like Disney had, there was like different downtimes of the year. Whereas I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore. It just kind of seems like there's a steady crowd year round. But it never used to be as congested. And what I mean by that. Um, especially it's kind of with the hotels. Back in the day, I could sit down and name easily off the top of my head every single Disney hotel because it was simple. There were Disney resorts. You know, then the vacation club kind of got introduced, but it wasn't, like, confusing at all. You know, you had Old Key West and the, the Boardwalk and Saratoga Springs and Animal Kingdom Lodge. You know, then it got a little confusing. You know, with Bay Lake Tower, I think, is the one... That kind of made it a little complicated and kind of started the domino effect here. What I don't like is that it seems like every Disney hotel, every Disney resort, is building a vacation club into that resort. You know, I don't have vac- vacation club. My aunt does. I have friends that have it. I think it's great. I think it's cool. Um, you know, if I did have it, I would feel a little kind of off that like this once- almost exclusive club is now kind of being saturated like you know every resort it seems like is getting a vacation club hotel built on the same grounds like that's what's weird to me like old key west was vacation club but it was a standalone hotel you know boardwalk vacation club standalone hotel you know animal kingdom lodge i think is fine they have you know saratoga springs but it's like now it's like oh okay uh coronado springs yeah we're going to build a vacation club on your property Oh, Caribbean Beach? Yeah, we're going to build a vacation club, you know, hotel on your property. Um, you know, Contemporary with Bay Lake Tower. The Polynesian, they're building with the Polynesian now. It's just weird to me. It seems like, like the resorts are getting more and more crowded, and there's just more and more congestion. And then that builds into the parks, because we've had four parks since 1997, yet... We've probably built and opened 10 or so hotels since 1997. Probably more than that. Probably closer to 15. And they they keep building more. You know, they're building the one at the Polynesian. The Swan and Dolphin Reserve. They just opened, you know, a new high-end resort there. Um, They were going to build a vacation club at Fort Wilderness. And that kind of got scrapped because of COVID. But I'm sure that will come back. It just seems like they're just building more and more. And they're losing, you know what made kind of Disney world really nice, you know, especially like I stayed at the Swan and Dolphin for years. Um, and it was always nice to just kind of walk around the boardwalk, Swan and Dolphin area, never really super crowded. We would hang out by the pool. They had a basketball court, plenty of room to just kind of spread out and hang out. Now, you know, there's an extra hotel kind of stuffed in the middle there, you know, and I'm worried about that with the Polynesian. How out of place is that going to feel? You know, as nice as Bay Lake Tower is, you know, it still kind of seems a little out of place to me. Especially with the contemporary, they still have like the one garden wing. I always thought it looked really nice with the main building and the two kind of wings on each side. Now it's Bay Lake Tower. And, you know, I don't think this will ever change because Disney loves cranking out these new hotels. And, you know, people pay a premium to stay there, so that makes them money directly. But it's just something that I've always kind of missed you know growing up like especially like vacation club it seemed like it was like a club like an exclusive club and now you know they, they just keep building more and more of them um you know and maybe that's disney trying to keep up with the demand uh but i'm not sure so that's gonna be my number six pick all right let's move on to my top five now my number five pick i'm gonna go with interventions at epcot now if you're a younger listener Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, or you remember it in its later years when it was an embarrassment, but Innoventions back in the day, man, I I truly miss that at Epcot because, you know, Epcot was this futuristic park, you know, talking about technology and things from the future and, what you know, tomorrow, and they had these two buildings, Innoventions, that were just filled with the newest technology and state-of-the-art exhibits and all these cool things that you couldn't see at home. It was almost like going, um, you know, here in Chicago, we have like, uh, the museum of science and industry where they have all these interactive exhibits. Like that's what it always kind of reminded me of, you know, interventions in its heyday was these interactive exhibits, you know, stuff you could get hands on as a kid. You didn't know it at the time, but you're actually learning and understanding things. You know, it, it was almost Disney using, um, you know, how do I put it? Like, they were basically, you know, using this building to kind of teach a little bit. They had, you know, educational exhibits there, and it would teach you about physics and science and weather and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, to be fair too, they had a bunch of video games. They had virtual reality things. They had the design your own roller coaster in there for the longest time, the sum of all thrills. The main one I always remember too is, um, is the video game stuff. Like, Again, back in the 90s, I'm always dating myself and kind of going back to there. But growing up, you know, yeah, we had, I grew up playing Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation. But every time you went to Disney, they had like every system, every game. And I will always remember that they always had like the sports games first. Like before it was released, I would go to Disney at Epcot and I'd be able to try out the new NBA game, you know, coming to PlayStation or whatever, and get to see, you know, oh, look, the, you know, updated rosters and all this stuff. And they had, you know, new games that you, you know, didn't know were coming out. And they had, you know, Disney games that you could play. And that, that made me want to go home and buy, you know, the Disney uh, video games. So I always loved that as well. I remember back in the day, they had like a giant, uh, like Sega exhibit with Sonic the Hedgehog, which was awesome. Um, so a lot of memories you know being a kid going through there always had a lot of fun there you know as it got um, later on I do remember they had like the cool stuff with like slamming doors and they had like this thing where you could like pull on a sledgehammer and try to break something and this cool like stuff that was like actually like educational and science and physics you know but you didn't know it you're just having fun you're just kind of absorbing that knowledge as the years went on it kind of got a little run down it didn't it was one of those places you would walk in and it was like still the same as it was 10 years prior. And it's like, how is that innovative? You know, it was called interventions because it was supposed to be like this innovative, you know, exhibit, this place you could go. And it was all this new stuff and top of the line technology and all this stuff. And they just kind of gave up on it and it became normal. You know, it was stuff you could do at home. It was stuff that was not exciting and new. It was kind of boring and outdated Um, And that just kind of died off, unfortunately. But Interventions, if you're around my age, I think you can agree that back in its heyday, it was pretty cool. So that's going to be my number five pick, guys. For my number four pick, this one, again, kind of similar to Interventions. If you're younger, you know, maybe you remember it in its later years. Uh, But for my number four pick, I miss the Backlot Tour at Disney's MGM Studios. More specifically, the whole Backlot area. I miss when MGM was an actual working movie studio, a movie lot. Even as the years kind of went on and you kind of realized that they weren't actively filming a lot of stuff there, it was always cool to me to realize or to know or to think that at any time they could film stuff. You know, you could go there and, you know, see them filming something. Like, there was always that, like, that chance and I always thought that was cool. And the Backlot tour and the Backlot area, you know, with the Streets of America and that, that ride, um, I always loved. I always thought it was cool. You were getting a, a tour with actual, you know, props and stuff from movies and costumes. And from when I was a kid to even to when I was older, you know, in 2008, my, my friend Brian, I, I talk about that trip a lot. You know, he's a movie guy. He's a film major. He works in the field. You know, I was so excited for him to experience that ride because it was like going on a movie studio tour, you know, that you would, you know, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, in California. And, you know, I wish they would have kept up with that. You know, it was something I always loved. Like, you'd go there and you would see, you know, props for movies that, that you recognized. And that was awesome. You know, Disney was always cranking out movies. So you would think there would never be a shortage of props and costumes and stuff like that from the movies you know, and and there was that part of the tour that was Catastrophe Canyon, which was cool, especially when you're younger. But for me, as I got older, like, I didn't even care about that. I just like going on the tour and seeing, you know, what, what did they add? You know, Walt Disney's plane was back there. You know, Herbie the Love Bug. You'd see, you know, costumes from Pirates of the Caribbean and you know, the tractor from Home Improvement. And when I was younger, they actually had the house from Home Improvement and other houses they used in in TV shows. And you had the Streets of America back there where you would kind of learn that they filmed movies and commercials there. And like I said, too, it was like the thought that at any point they could film stuff. They could use that backlot if they wanted to. And, you know, the animation studios are back there where they made movies like Mulan. And it's like just so cool to know that they were actively making movies And, you know, bringing in props and different sets and stuff like that. So for me, I'll always miss the backlot tour and that entire backlot area. All right, for my number three pick now, I'm going to go with Extra Magic Hours. And with a lot of things on my list, uh, my picks kind of re- revolve around my personal memories and everything. And I will always love and miss Extra Magic Hours at Walt Disney World. Like, picture this. It's the summer. It's a Friday night. It's warm. Magic Kingdom's open until 2, 3 a.m. for you know, Disney Resort guests only. There's no waits for any of the rides. Like that was extra magic hours. So many times it was so much fun. You know, and it was it was a perk of staying on Disney property because at first you could only, um, you know, take advantage of extra magic hours if you're staying at a Disney hotel. I remember one of the first times. You know, it was like, oh, Magic Kingdom's open until midnight, but it's open until two a.m. for Disney Resort guests that's what I miss. Like I remember standing in line and they would do it like this kind of shows you like how different you know things were. In order to get on the rides you had to have a wristband an extra magic hours wristband Um, and you would after the park closed technically you'd go to like a little kind of station and show them your you know resort ID your resort card or your room key or whatever and then they would put a wristband on your wrist and that was the only way you could get on some of the rides. Um, It's crazy to think that That's how they did it back then. And then we would, you know, we'd go on Space Mountain as many times as we could. Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, all the big rides were open. There was no crowd. Like, that's like what I remember. You know, like I said, it's summer. I'm, you know, I'm a kid. I'm 14, 16 years old, walking around Tomorrowland. It's like 80 degrees and one o'clock in the morning. I'm going on Space Mountain for the third time. That's what I miss. Like, the extra magic hours were, were so much fun. Um... You know, even at some of the other parks, like Epcot always kind of seemed to close early, but they'd have extra magic hours. You know, you get an extra hour or two. You go on Test Track, you know, two, three times in a row. Um, Hollywood Studios, same thing. You're going on a rock and roller coaster at one o'clock in the morning. It's pretty cool. Um, And the, the biggest thing was, you know, Disney Resort guests only. You got rid of a lot of the local people and there was no wait times, and it was great. You got to do whatever you wanted. They go on whatever rides you wanted. Didn't have to, you know, stand in the heat and wait in line. And there's just something about being at Disney, um, you know, when it's not crowded. That's it's like calm. It's relaxing almost. And I'll always remember that. About I always compare it to Tomorrowland. I can picture myself walking through Tomorrowland, hearing the noises and the ambiance and the Tomorrowland music, and seeing the People Mover and the Astro Orbiter and all the lights and it not being crowded, and it's late, and you're on vacation at Disney, and it was just perfect. Some of my favorite memories are my family and I at Disney World, you know, after hours, super late, 1, 2, even 3 a.m., and you know, we have pictures of the clock on Main Street reading 3 a.m., and, you know, they also had extra magic hours in the morning, but we rarely did those. You know, you could go extra extra magic hours, was you know, the park would close at a certain time for you know, everyone, and it would stay open like a couple hours for Disney guests. It was like the same thing, but it would open up a couple hours early. I think maybe we did it a few times to get into um, Animal Kingdom, um, you know, if we had like a breakfast uh, reservation or something, but we always did the uh, the late extra magic hours, and I will always miss that. My number two pick, you guys know me, you guys know how much I love this one, is the original version of Test Track. Probably my all-time favorite attraction, the original version of Test Track, I will always argue, is better than the current one that's at Epcot today. The old version, I just felt like there was, it was just, it was better themed. There was more to it. It felt like a a more complete, longer ride. Whereas the one today, you know, there's rooms and there's certain parts of the ride where it just kind of feels empty and there's nothing and it's just you're just going through the motions that was the original test track was a big deal for disney and for epcot because it was like the first thrill ride for epcot you know it opened up in the late 90s it was a huge grand opening you know we went a couple months later it opened in may uh we went in july and the line was probably one of the longest lines we had ever waited waited in and the line was so long they had entertainers kind of in the middle you know kind of you know helping the crowd and stuff and was this guy he was like juggling and he had music and he was like spinning plates on his fingers and he asked for a volunteer from the audience from people waiting in line and he picked me so i went up in front of all those people that were waiting for test track and uh spun a bunch of plates on my fingers and everyone clapped i know my aunt got a bunch of pictures and like that was you know my earliest memory of test track and that original version you know you're it was themed after a general motors testing facility it was like one of those attractions where as soon as you stepped in you actually thought it was a working you know general motors testing facility it felt real from start to finish from waiting in line going through the line to the pre-ride video to actually riding the ride that's what was great about it you know the new version of test track it's a fun cool ride but that theming isn't there that that belief isn't there you know, you don't walk on it now and think you're in some, you know, different world because it's futuristic and stuff. You just think you're on a ride at Disney World, you know. and um, the, pre- the pre-write video with, with uh, the test track with Bill McKim, that's one of those um, random Disney characters or Disney park characters that, you know, I'll always remember. My family will always remember. We always quote him and stuff. And just the original version of Test Track, if you didn't get to experience it, it's worth looking up online. There was just more to the ride. It seemed like every second of the ride you were doing something, you know, whether you're going over different types of roads and, and the, you know, the ride is getting super bumpy or you're testing out like, and analog braking systems, or, you know, they had, they had a room that was really hot and a room that was really cold. Like there was just so much to that ride. I will always miss it. And I feel like it, it fit in Epcot. It didn't feel too dated. Um, when they changed it in, like, 2013 or so. I think they could have kept it around. So uh, my number two pick, the original version of Test Track. And finally, we made it my number one pick. My number one pick, I'm just going to say Fast Pass. Because I was originally, I was going to put paper Fast Pass. You guys know I miss the paper Fast Passes. I have a lot of memories of, of using those, and I think it was a, a system that worked. But you know what? At this point... I'll take even, you know, the My Disney Experience, like the the last, you know, version of Disney Fast Pass, anything that's better than this new Genie version. The Paper Fast Pass, you know, what a great invention by Disney, again, in the late 90s. Um, and again, it was a perk for Disney guests only at first, you know, so if you're staying in Disney property back in the 90s, hey, we want you to stay on, at one of our resorts. If you do... Not only would you get like transportation to and from the parks, but you'll get extra magic hours and you'll get fast pass. We get to go to the front of the lines pretty much. And the paper fast pass you know, was so much fun because you know, we would get to a park like Epcot, for example, and we'd send like my mom ahead and she'd like sprint over to Test Track. As soon as we walked through the gates, she would sprint to Test Track to get fast passes for us before they sold out or before it was like a, a later time in the day. And that's what we would do um, with all the big rides. And even like when my whole family would go like, for example, like Space Mountain, like not not all nine of us were going on Space Mountain, but we would use all nine of our park passes and we'd get nine fast passes for it. So me and my two cousins, we were able to go on Space Mountain three times in a row with fast passes. And we would do that a lot to, you know, kind of take advantage of it. Um, you know, when they changed it to my Disney experience. At the time, it was like, oh, you know, why are they doing this? You got to use your phone. And it's, it's a little more, bit more of a hassle. You have to pick only three rides. But at least that system, again, wasn't broken. You know, it was still somewhat fair. You know, I know you, could, you couldn't pick every single ride. You couldn't get, you know, fast passes for just every thrill ride. But it worked. It was easier. Um, you know, this latest version now with the Genie, you got to pay for it. Like, that's the biggest drawback. You have to pay for it. I'll never be happy... You know, paying for a Disney Fast Pass because we got it for free, you know, for close to 30 years. And when you start charging people for something that they're used to not paying for, you know, they get upset. So I was originally just going to put paper Fast Pass, um, but I figured just the normal Fast Pass in general, general, how it used to be before the My Genie stuff um, and what I've seen and what I've read, like a lot of people aren't happy with it. It doesn't work great it doesn't work as good as the other two systems i don't think this is kind of what i mean when i say you know disney makes changes sometimes just to make changes the FastPass system wasn't broken they decided to change it up and start charging to try to make some of their money back you know after the, the pandemic and COVID and everything when they were shut down but guess what disney's still making money and the, the the genie fast pass is still there and you still have to pay for it. And I'm worried that it's always going to be like that, you know, and it, it, it sucks too. cause like there aren't any more perks of staying at a Disney world hotel. I do have some honorable mentions before I finish up here. Uh, I had splash mountain, you know, a very recent one. I'll definitely miss splash mountain more as the years go on. Um, the Sorcerer's hat at, Disney's Hollywood Studios. I never hated the Sorcerer's Hat. Um, I always kind of liked it and I thought it was like a good kind of, um, you know, kind of, it, it stood out at Hollywood Studios. I know a lot of people think the the famous Chinese theater, it was the, more of the icon for the park, but now with, you know, the great movie ride being gone, I think more than ever we could use the Sorcerer's Hat and um, see. I also had the Wave, the, the restaurant at the Contemporary. That was Probably my wife and I's like favorite breakfast spot. We loved eating at the Wave. I also had illuminations and wishes, two of my you know all-time favorite nighttime shows. You know, fireworks shows at Epcot and Magic Kingdom, and I also had just MGM Studios in general. I kind of touched on most of that um, when I was talking uh, about backlot tour, but MGM Studios in general, when you know it was a working movie lot, and just kind of how they would you know theme all their their shows everything was kind of movie or tv themed and i just i really thought that was cool especially when i was younger growing up well that's all i got for my top 10 things i miss at walt disney world i'll do a brief little um march magic update here we're on our sweet 16 down to the, the 16 best attractions as voted on by you we got some it's all tough matchups now know the the previous couple rounds there were still a lot of easy choices now it's very tough like now right away you have space mountain versus pirates of the caribbean you have thunder mountain versus test track flight of passage versus haunted mansion like these are all tough choices because we're down to like the best attractions at walt disney world and i'm pretty excited to see how this turns out you know what's going to win is it going to be a newer kind of more thrill ride, like uh, Flight of Passage, Cosmic Rewind It's going to be a classic, you know, attraction, like Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, so we'll see. Um, I'll keep you guys updated. If you're following me on Instagram, you can stay kind of up to date with everything, with the voting. Um, otherwise, you'll get an update next week here. On but that's all I got for this week's episode. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you haven't already, follow me on Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok and YouTube, Disney World Today. But Instagram's a big one. My DMs there are always open. If you want to stop by and say hi, let me know what you think of the show. If you have topic ideas for the show, episode ideas, top 10 lists, anything like that, uh, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, Or if you just find something cool online you want to send my way, feel free. And uh, yeah, and also too, hey... You can subscribe, leave a rating, write me a review. And if you do write me a review, I'll give you a shout-out on the very next episode. All right, guys, have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week on the podcast as we're getting closer into the heart of spring now. April, Easter, all coming up. So exciting time. So that's all I got. I'll talk to you guys later. Always remember, it all started with a mouse.